0: Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, the station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own
1: Jesse Gastan. And I I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. Happens to be May 1st, 2023. Somewhat of a cold, sort of dreary, overcast day, but that's okay. We are moving into better weather uh, at some point in the next couple of days or weeks here. June almost always proves to be better weather. June, July, August, September, so... We're thankful for it. Uh, glad to have you with me on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Time five o five on again May first, twenty twenty three, uh, cinco de mayo. In a few days, we're gonna see how that goes. And um, yeah, well, the number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Given everything that's going on in our world today particularly the unraveling uh, of our society, particularly at the uh, level of our young people. The Apostle Paul reminds Timothy about the utilitarian nature of the law. He speaks to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he says over in verse 8, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless, the disobedient, for the ungodly, and for the sinner, the unholy and profane, for murderers and uh, of fathers and murderers of mothers and manslayers, for whoremongers, and for them that defile themselves with mankind, men-stealers. For liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which committed which was committed unto my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me in order that he accounted me worthy, putting me in the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the word for us today. The law works to drive us to Christ. I'm thinking about how the early church could have never imagined the former persecutor of the church. Paul was a, he was an eminent persecutor of the church in his own words, part of his testimony, Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 25. Um, And and the early church just could have never imagined that one day Paul would be a champion of the faith, a servant of Jesus Christ, and uh, a comforter to the people of God in the midst of Roman persecution. It goes to show you how things can unexpectedly change just at a time when you just never thought it would. The church was operating in levels of fear, obviously. Persecution was taking place. The apostles were being killed, and the Roman Caesars were just going absolutely insane, not only in terms of their own uh, intrapersonal chaoses and, and, uh, you know, bad grabs at uh, homosexuality and transvesti- uh, transvestitism and, and other aberrant behaviors, but then uh, increasing in violence and hostility towards its own citizens. And uh, we're seeing some of that today, are we not, as we look at the remarkable transformation of our society as it is dismantling on so many different levels, especially down at the level of our young people, um, I, I know you're alarmed by it, as am I, about all of the kind of uh, disruption that's taking place among our among our young people. Our, our young people are definitely being weaponized—young men, young women, uh, particularly of the uh, of of the gay and lesbian and uh, queer, and and now most formidably the uh, uh, transgender community—all being weaponized against um, anyone who who would hold a different opinion. Um, and largely people who are operating out of a right to express themselves in terms of their own ontological reality. That is to say, real women are opposing fake women who are uh, posing as women being called trans women. And uh, there's so many implications, so many implications going on with that. But What I want to state early on before we get into a number of our topics tonight is just that wouldn't it be wonderful if the true and the living God was pleased to bring about a revival? And that revival would sweep across our nation legitimately. I'm not talking about that little thing that happened a couple of months ago that petered out after people turned their ears away from it. I'm talking about a revival that would sweep across this nation and wake young men and women up to the reality of who they are as God made them and the dignity of operating out of their ontological, biological nature and biological gender, sex expression which we know happens to be um, affirmed clearly in our DNA our chromosomal makeup Uh, he made the male and female in the image of God created he them if we continue down this pathway of intersectionality and all of these pronouns and different identity markers creating individuated persons that have no, uh, no real uh, biological or genetic um, factual correlation to what what constitutes real human beings. Uh, you will be looking up at some extremely bizarre expressions. We already know that we're going to be moving into if if we're not already if we're not already there um, with human beings identifying as animals, uh, with human beings identifying as other creatures, and being serious about it. I mean, real serious about it. I heard recently how that children are already taking on the attitude, behavior, and vocal expression of cats and dogs and other animals. And, and I, I suppose simply because Romans 1 is right, we are at that level where God is giving us up to a kind of unbridled and almost uncontrolled delusion so that men and women are feeling like it's okay. To create a create a whole cloth fantasy and demand that we believe it to be all reality, if not theirs exclusively, and uh, and with the force and power of our government behind it, uh, they would punish us if we didn't count uh, out to it and uh, swallow the blue pill and just enter into the matrix and just accept it for what it is. This is where we are today, and it's it's just abundantly amaz- uh, abundantly amazing now. Uh, In contradistinction to that, we will be holding our somewhere around our 10th rules of engagement at Grace Bible Church starting this Saturday at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Grace Bible Church holding a generally annual rules of engagement. It is a time for um, evaluating marriage, uh, looking at it from a biblical standpoint Trying to gain some insight into the nature, the mystery, the beauty, the complexity of that institution to learn about the common challenges because we're dealing with challenges today of the most fundamental social institution that God made, which is marriage. You know that when you take all of these kind of cultural uh moving parts that are unhinged from uh, from from objective reality and think about how challenging that will be to the institution of marriage, you know that marriage is go- going to come under assault at another level. So we'll be evaluating where men and women are on the scale of good, average, and poor, and bad marriages. Uh, and if you, if you want to join us, if you've got some challenges or if you've got some triumphs and you want to be part of that, I definitely would encourage you to come on out on this Saturday, Grace Bible Church in Hayward. You can find us online. You can call us at one 1- uh, uh, 5, 1-510-886-9782. 510 one We always have a great time. We always have people coming from all sorts of different camps because we all know intuitively we need that tune-up. We need that analysis. We need that reflection. We need that intramural conversation. We need that time of confession. We need a time of marking out things. And plus, it's just going to be a great time helping our young people prepare for that uh, for that um, collaboration to discover and identify the potholes and patterns of self-destructive behavior that occurs in marriages we end up having these pathologies of uh, uh, negative and impractical and in some cases very harmful and um, Interactions as husbands and wives, or maybe even parents with children, I call them potholes and patterns of self-destructive behavior. We look at them and we try to find a way to fill those potholes, so we can start that down a course of um, of uh, of life, uh, not tearing up the vehicle of the marriage institution. We also will be engaging in mutual self-love. That's a theme that I'm going to be raising up and going to be talking about how we have all fallen prey in our present culture to a hyper-personal, selfish orientation that um, threatens um, institutional coherence where there needs to be a valid equilibrium, interdependence uh, between the two and more in institutions that God has set up. Because we have so many resources available to us, we can be... Preoccupied with what we're going to deal with is a hyper selfish orientation that does not recognize the necessity of distributing across the spectrum of multiple relationships essential to a good family unit. What that looks like, how that can lead to um, other things like psychological. Uh, aberrations, emotional uh, instability. It can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to a a, a number of, again, uh, personal pathologies that can be harmful to the marriage. Over-focus on self, hyper-self orientation can be a problem. We need a balance. We need others as markers and measures and patterns for our developmental process and also for accountability. So it's going to be a great time. I want you to come on out. I'll talk about it a bit more. We're going to take a break, pay some bills, and come back with a number of topics on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back.
0: And now, back to Lifeline.
1: Yes, we are. The time is 521 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistin. Three lines open. one 1888 Three six seven five three two nine to pose your question, make your um, comments or observations, so we can begin our potpourri of dialogue. Uh, the next thing on the table is prostate cancer in men who became transgender women. Yes, you heard me: prostate cancer in men who became transgender women. Now, of course, this article is simply going to be about the same thing I just stated. You can't posit. You can't posit non-reality. You can't posit false reality. You can't posit non and false reality as if it's real and then mandate everybody that's living in an objective, scientific world of concrete reality to buy into it and expect it to fit. You can't tell your doctor that you're a woman. And then you got to have a prostate exam to see whether or not you are... Uh, a candidate for the kind of cancers that only men get. And of course, Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the stalwarts having exposed the fraudulent nature of the whole, whole COVID scan, is uh, giving us some some insights into some of the problematic elements going on in the medical industry too, because they're in cahoots with the American uh, Psychological Association and this whole transformation of our society at the biological, at the medical level as well. And so listen to what this article says. Sobering reminder um, of the archaeoptomy and estrogens, how they do not eliminate male cancer more and more physicians will be managing the explosion of men who undergo transgender therapies and surgery for gender gender dysphoria. I wanna repeat that and then I'll, I'll run with the sentences. More and more physicians will be managing the explosion of men who undergo transgender therapy and surgery for gender dysphoria. It should never happen, but it's happening because people are really vain. It's important to remember that these boys and men are still fully male and are susceptible to male cancers including prostate cancer. Nick Abid et al reported 449 men who undertook hormonal therapy orchiectomy ar- that's castration you guys orchiectomy is cutting off your gonads and your 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 penile yeah. organ are both, yet develop prostate cancer after treatment for gender dysphoria. Um, and then Peter begins to lay out these horrific percentages around it that simply unquestionably proves two things. One is you're still dealing with a totally male biological being all the way down to the proteins in his body. In his cellular structural makeup, not only just his chromosomes, but his proteins, the body is fully male in every aspect of the way you can imagine a body being male. It's male. And uh, what he says is by virtue of these statistics, I can tell you simply. Uh, the sample likely represents a lower incidence and histologic grade than a routine clinical practice. My interpretation says, Peter, is that 32 months of estrogen therapy and castration. 32 months of estrogen therapy and castration in and 2% of men did not eliminate the burden of prostate cancer. Indeed, it is possible that estrogen use drove a more rapid progression once the cancer formed. These data suggest when it comes to carcinoma of the prostate, men, men are men and need standard screening for prostate cancer, including digital rectal exam and blood prostate specific antigen testing. Doctors should not be confused into thinking the person in front of them is a woman when he is not. Go ahead on, Dr. McCullough. tell the truth and shame the devil. These things are so important, you guys. They're so absolutely important. And, you know, you 're going to be constantly challenged with whether or not you 're just going to close your eyes and ears and buy into these uh, these so r- radically contradicting narratives and radically contradicting ideas and radically contradicting uh, expressions of of human uh preference and, uh, and 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 will you succumb? I suggest that even if you do succumb and begin to just bow down to the uh, dystopian uh, double speak, as uh, Orson Wells puts it, um, it's going to drive you crazy. If you don't stand up against it, you can't hang out with people that are given to change and yourself not ultimately be given to change. The number is one 888 In a minute, I'm going to be reading to you how the FDA has responded to those who have pressed them on the fact that the COVID vaccines... Indeed, never, ever, really, could prove to be safe and effective. They did not stop the uh, the um, infection at all, and they did not stop transmission at all. And now, guess what the FDA is saying? FDA is saying it doesn't have to stop infection, it doesn't have to stop transmission, and it can still be given to the American people as some kind of remediant from the virus. Now, it's a jab that's supposed to be a vaccine. We had an older definition of vaccine for which this jab would not qualify, but they changed the definition in order to qualify because today what we're dealing with in our social media is a redefining of everything. You might as well, you know, turn a cup of water into fool's gold, whatever you may want to call it, because we are living again in the dystopian uh um, double speak of fantasy, where words don't really matter. But as I just stated, they matter because when you get sick and ill, you can't go in there and say, I'm a woman and you're really a man or vice versa. And the doctors try to deal with you in accordance with your delusional thinking. You can't do that and expect a good outcome. You see, this is what we mean when the Bible says in Romans chapter one, God gave them up to a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating and also alarming what we're dealing with here. Here, the FDA is saying we are no longer going to be held accountable for whether the drug works or not. We're still going to push it on people where we can. Also, I want to talk to you about smart cities. And we, we've been warning you guys for the longest about um, the world changing around us and not and not asking us for our opinion about it. 15-minute cities, 15-minute cities, you heard about them. These conclaves of uh, tightly packed uh, homes, they probably are just, you know, uh, apartment complexes. Uh, 800 square feet, maybe 900 square feet max, uh, compiled together, three, four stories high, um, where in these smart cities you don't drive, you basically walk everywhere you go, and uh, and 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 that's going to be a kind of mode of confinement to, as it were, check the so-called uh, climate change that we have been hearing that is supposed to be threatening to our world. Can you mar- imagine that waking up one day, being confined to a region, a, a an area, uh, let's call it Area 51, just for fun. Uh, and in Area 51, you have borders and boundaries. You have cameras everywhere. You have um, gate control. You have total artificial intelligence, uh, mobility. That is to say, you don't drive vehicles anymore. You don't even use electric cars. And if you do, you can only go so far every day. Uh, And if you go beyond that, they will dismantle your capacity to do it in the name of climate correction. They use the term climate equity. You see how they're conflating human beings with the earth and making them one entity, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, These are the things that are going on in your world today. Uh, right around you, and uh, Miss Miss Christine Anderson has really—I remember watching her. She is a U, EU, that is European Union parliamentarian. Um, she would be like your senator or congresswoman today. Um, Christine Anderson ha- took the red pill and woke up from this delusion that Europe had fallen into with the World Health Organization, the wo- uh, World Economic Forum's lockstep. Uh, with this vaccine and the shutdowns, she woke up to the reality after reading a lot of paperwork and data and realized she was being lied to. And her mouth has been wide open ever since. All that we would have 60 or 70% of our congressmen and women who were as bold as Christine Anderson. Um, When I come back from my break, I'm going to read her article and just let you know how she's doing what, all of our politicians should be doing. Not only letting their constituents know exactly what's coming down the pike with world policies infiltrating our own government and then being foisted on us, but then challenging their own colleagues uh, to, to do away with and to abandon these global agendas because they are ultimately harmful for the people of Europe. We should be hearing that here in America as well. And I'm afraid we have very, very, very few—a very minority—in our Congress and Senate that are standing up for the truth, and it just makes you wonder how many of those folks are on the dole as well. Anyhow, this is Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got two lines open—one AAA, I think one now—one AAA When I come back, I'll get your phone calls and more topics on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back.
0: And now back to
1: Lifeline. Indeed, we are. The time is 536 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I want to remind you again of this coming Saturday, 1 p.m. to about 3 p.m. A great time. whole bunch of eclectic men and women, single, married, post-marriage. We'll be gathering together for our Rules of Engagement um, annual sort of uh, conference for three weeks, May 6th, May 13th, and May 20th on Saturdays. Food Fellowship Fund, but mostly just a deep interrogative analysis of the marriage institution, the context in which marriage now is existing today in the flair and instability of all the things that are going on in our world and how we might shore up against it, um, trying to operate out of the hierarchy of a biblical worldview in the context of our marriages. It's going to be a great time if you know something about marriage and you want to contribute to it, join us at that time. Um, we'd love to have you again. Rules of Engagement um, at Grace Bible Church in Hayward this Saturday, 1 p.m. Let's go to line number one and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there?
2: Oh, hello. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. Just, um, I had a question. I heard your uh, monologue, of course, but concerning this uh, transgender issue and, and God giving people up, I was always wondering if a lot of what we're seeing is an attempt to get people to just by doubting reality, if it goes way back to the garden where the enemy tempted to Adam and Eve by saying, has God said, and I say that because I was, um, just flipping around the channels and, you know, like you, I'm a, a fellow gumbo connoisseur. Yeah. And I found, uh, Emerald Lagasse has a, I guess a newer show. And I noticed two of the episodes had, a transgender rapper, who's a six foot five black man, and then the next episode had a uh, it featured people who were heavily into uh, voodoo practicing, and I was just sitting there like, "We yeah, what's going on?" All I did was look up some some foods and recipes, and I, I felt like I got a spiritual onslaught. And it seems to be almost like a blitzkrieg coming on all levels, and all fronts, just to try and get people off of what God says and what what uh, I guess what men apparently want these days. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we've already talked about this, uh, and you hear me uh, utilizing the text of, of the apocalypse frequently around this. I've been doing this for 20 years. Revelation chapter 13 makes it clear that God gave the dragon. He's the power behind the political systems of this world. He gave the dragon a mouth. A big mouth whereby he could speak blasphemies against God. That mouth is the media. It has always been the media. His target has always been unhinged, ungrounded, um, unfounded men and women who aren't anchored anchored in reality. Uh, And what comes out of his mouth is a a flood of blasphemies. That's what Revelation 12 and 13 says. Out of his mouth when a flood of blasphemies. This is your... Um, oriental uh, hyper symbolic uh, and, and metaphorical nemesine, uh dragon working through political systems to um, to bring fear and trepidation and uh, subjugation of human beings under their system and to to wash them away from the foundation of their origins in God and therefore a biblical worldview and therefore recognition that their identity is rooted in their, their genetic makeup, in their uh, biological makeup, in their chromosomal makeup, uh, to fail to see the reality of who they are is a consequence of failing to see the reality of who God is. as what Romans 1 says. But what you and I are seeing with that part, Germaine, is the policy that has been laid out for a long time uh, and, and many have uh, pointed this out. This is part of the Marxist communist policy targeting the destruction uh, and reconstruction of uh, of American culture, going all the way back to the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And one of the things they said they would do is to bombard our media and our our social institutions, our televisions and our educational programs uh, with a constant flood of homosexual propaganda, uh, gay and lesbian propaganda, and, and even now transgender propaganda. So everywhere uh, the eyes can uh, put, cast itself, you're going to see these images and these optics because it is a mode of catechism. This is how people become maladjusted to it, and then ultimately complicit with it. This is all by design. I have a presentation that I haven't watched yet. Someone sent it to me, and I have to watch it tonight to see the viability of it, but it's talking about the origins of uh, the transgender movement uh, being uh, demonically framed. In other words, there is some kind of uh, system of demonic ideology that is also promoting and energizing the transformation of human beings into these uh, sexually deviant uh, positions and expressions. I got to look into it and see, but what we certainly know is the goal of the devil is to always pervert that which is right in God's sight. And uh, I think you and I know that we're dealing with times that are not just a mere consequence of human volitional choice. Uh, We are not just looking at a kind of mild uh, alternative lifestyle that is the function of human volition as if somehow they could be easily persuaded to come back or as if somehow it is not rooted in some uh, grander uh, and more, again, diabolical spiritual principle Uh, and is somehow um, innocuous and harmless. We know that we're dealing with a spiritual principality and power of such significant force that the scripture warns us about it in the book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, as well as in the Genesis 19 text, tells us again in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, and then also in the book of Revelation, these would be markers of the manifestations of the end of the end times that we are in. So, Um, These are some times for us to be really thoughtful and uh, and prudent, Jermaine, as to how we're going to understand it, be uh, self-reflexive, regain a a clear sense of how we are going to address it. Remember that um, we're dealing with two entities, the persons, the human beings themselves, which need salvation, uh, as do we, and then the enemy behind them, which is a spirit of perdition that is given to eternal destruction. So we have to always remember that we have to try to find a way to be redemptive in our orientation and uh, priestly in our uh, presentation. If And I know there will be that case. We will see that at some point. That's what I'm praying for. There will be many, and I think there are already. We have a problem with our media being honest about How many transgender persons, kids, young people, and maybe even older are utterly regretting coming under the knife or coming under the pills and coming under the hormone uh, regimens and coming under all of these different uh, butchering, slaughtering, life-changing um, uh, measures that are given by our medical industry, this Frankensteinian medical industry. I know they're bemoaning the fact that they allowed a little emotional instability to take them and put them on the purveyor, uh, conveyor belt of of a uh, external transformation without solving one whit the real issues going on in their heart and life. So we have to, as well as being discerning, we have to be wary. Of uh, and and empathetic for those people, uh, Jermaine, are you still there? I give you the last word before we move on.
2: Right, just to concur with what you said, there there is an, uh, an entire community of the people who've been ostracized by their own former community who have come out. It's called the ex-trans movement, and uh, and many of them have seen the light and are preaching Christ as far as transforming them from what they used to be. And they're they're pretty much like a pariah in their society, so you know just kind of concurs with what you said.
1: Absolutely. um I'm re- Chloe Cole is one young uh recovering uh transgendered woman who is uh doing a yeoman's job of uh, picking up her her fellow travelers and trying to work through the regrets uh in a in a stellar fashion. Uh, we know these are the things that happen. Men and women fall into the snare of the devil. And then when God grants them a revelation of his glory and they recover their identity, then they become some, some of the most fierce um, objects of persecution and ridicule and hate and abandonment by their own system. This lets you know that system doesn't really know anything about the love of God. It is a dark system of self-consumption as well. Thanks for the call, my dear brother. Manny? Uh, Mel and Marsha there you go three M's Manny Mel and Marsha I'll get you um, after the break we'll have a conversation see what you guys are up to this is the Monday edition of Lifeline we'll be right back
0: and now back to Lifeline
1: and here we are at the time 550 on the Monday edition of Lifeline let's go to line number two and talk with Manny from Castro Valley Manny are you there hello Pastor Jesse how are you I'm great. What's your thoughts, man? Uh,
3: well, I'll get to the uh, transgender issue, but I am also a, um ambassador with the Values Advocacy Council, VAC, which yeah, you know yeah. very well. Um, I just want to say that we're having a great event coming up.
1: May 13th, we are having Dr. Naomi Wolf.
3: With oh, yeah, Dr. I definitely Dr. know. Shea. I'm
1: glad you called because I was going to give a shout out for it. I, I actually, you know, I, I, I'm i somewhat affiliated with the guys up there. I, I love the work that they're doing. You guys be having some yeoman yeoman uh, guests. I mean, just top, top notch. It's a beautiful thing. I uh, I am uh, delighted in Naomi Wolf's um, transformation, her efforts at uh, exposing a lot of what's going on in our media. And, and as you know, um, just brilliant. She's re- recently written some books. That are excellent as well. She just had a, a marvelous uh, dialogue with J.B. P- uh, Peterson, uh, Jordan B. Peterson. It was just stellar. I, I stellar. I, I like what she's doing. Uh, she's gonna be she's gonna be with you guys on May thirteenth. That's gonna be around six yes. o'clock in the evening, right out there at uh, at Calvary yes. in San Jose. Yes, Calvary Chapel San Jose on Hillsdale Avenue, uh, Saturday
3: May thirteenth, six, uh, 6 p.m. with uh, Brian O'Shea, Alex Meyer, and Denise young from the free now foundation and uh we're asking everybody to come out please register at bac.org and we'd love to have everybody there and uh we're also looking to expand the bac in the bay area and in the uh, furthest part of the area also so if anybody's interested please come out to our event see what we're all about um on the transgender issue we also had uh, earlier this year walt meyer uh walt hire he's a former and, yeah, I know him. I know uh, him well. Yeah, go on. Yeah, and uh, he spoke, uh, you know, he lived as a woman for about nine years or so, and uh, he's already detransitioned thousands of transgendered, um, and you can see those also on our website, the past event, and he is an amazing man on this issue, on the transgender issue, which is, it is demonic. We all know that. and um, But uh, we just have to keep educating people about the matter
1: no it's no you're right um there, and in my previous caller uh affirmed that too, as well as I know a lot of yeoman uh people who are aware of the manipulation deception uh and just um crude policies of our medical industry today We just know that it's just a a wicked system on so many levels but what i'm 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 thankful for. Uh, Manny, is people turning around, God opening people's eyes, granting them a revelation of his glory, returning to the Imago Dei, uh, and even being able to come up out of some of those bad surgeries and and, and taking a stand and, and doing what we got to do, um, and that is try to get the microphones back, quite frankly. We got to get the media back to where we're actually able to have the total freedom of speech, dialogue, debate, Reasonable, noble debate about uh, matters so that truth can prevail. Um, so I'm glad to hear it. And then I am going to give one more shout out before I go to our next call. And that is, yeah, May 13th in the evening after many of you guys come to our Rules of Engagement class from 1 to 3 on May 13th. You can zip on over to Calvary Chapel and uh, hear an outstanding message from uh, Naomi Wolf. She's going to be uh, really special. She's a very gifted Gifted woman uh, has a has a lot of um, good insight as well as impeccable credentials as well. And the VAC is just doing a, a great job. Just kudos to everybody over there. Looking forward to getting back with you guys at some point and uh, collaborating. So, um, Manny, thank you for the call. People, um, please register. That's a big plus. Register at vac.org. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll 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 put it out there. Register at VAC dot org if you're gonna go. They got plenty of room, but they 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 need to they need to do the same thing we do, uh, try to get a head count so we can make sure everybody is taken care of. Let's go to Mel on uh from Oakland on line three now. Mel, are you there?
4: Uh yes. Hey, Pastor Jesse, how are you?
1: I'm great. What's going on? Uh
4: Mike kind of question is uh i was adopted when i was seven years old and um my my adoptive father we moved out to california but basically long story short um he was gay and uh involved in the church and um he passed away kind of mid-2000s but that whole time you know i went to church and you know i'm hearing one thing and i know it's wrong because god made man and woman but you know so i know that's wrong but i'm hearing all that message and i'm hearing like you know you're not supposed to sin because you're we all sin but you know with grace we're given grace by god but that's not to continue to sin and yet i'm hearing that every week or every other week or every month in church but then my father's practicing his lifestyle, and it wasn't a secret. His people knew at the church he, was, he started an age ministry at the church. He was, it was a prominent church as well. He was involved with the church. But nobody ever confronted him about his lifestyle, you know, thinking about me being his son. You know? Are you still there? Say it again. Now, it seems like you dropped off. What else what, 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 besides
1: you being his son?
5: Yeah, nobody ever confronted you about his wife.
1: Okay, so you're, uh, are you moving around now because you're starting to break up? I couldn't hear that last part. I
5: don't know, I'm in one spot.
1: So. so do you have a question for me? Because, again, oh, we're losing okay. the signal. Okay. How do you confront
4: somebody in love when you're
1: teaching them something biblical like that, yeah, that's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big question. How do we confront somebody in love when they're teaching something explicitly unbiblical? All right, so we can reframe it um, and and kind of use. We, we'll put conf- confrontation in our holster for now only because the uh, homosexual movement. Transgender movement has already been weaponized. They have been justified to be violent just because people disagree with them. Uh, And this is part of a smart tactic that Christians are going to have to start learning, period. And that is um, being able to know how to have the conversation about what God's word says over against what we are interpreting or misinterpreting or explaining away relative to what God's word says. And it, I think it's going to be on a per capita basis. I think it's going to just be a matter of who it is we are speaking to. If it's an individual with which we have some relational depth, if we have some relational uh you know measure if there's a a measure of significance to the relationship if there's some background in history, then uh we can just start the conversation off very, very Socratically. Um so, you know, how do you how do you understand scripture around that when we read in First Corinthians six, nine, um, you know, um I tell you that no fornicator, adulterer, whoremonger, effeminate person, etc., um, etc., cetera, et cetera, will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and then we read other passages in the New Testament like that, as I quoted in First Timothy chapter one, verse ten, and then again in Revelation chapter um, uh, twenty as well. Uh, and then of course the code in Leviticus eighteen through twenty. Uh, does is not abrogated in terms of our moral responsibility to not violate those boundaries. We we would want to be able to set forth very objectively and uh, clearly what Scripture says and hear them out and then try to reason with them as to how far or close they are to respecting to reflecting what Scripture is actually teaching course, many of us have been in the battle with the homosexual community for decades around the misinterpreting Torah, the uh, Toweba laws in the Levitical account and reducing them down to uh, condemnation or prohibition of uh, sex prostitutes. But we, we know the text is clearly laying out moral, uh, moral infractions and moral deviations, starting with. Um, incest and and sex with your daughter and sex with your mother and sex with your brother and sister and then it it, it, without hesitation moves into same sex whether women or men same sex whether uh, men and men and then also into bestiality. So these are the uh, gradations downward, the degradational uh, if you will, deconstruction of the uh, boundaries and parameters of a legitimate sexual relationship in the context of marriage we're done with that in the west today for all intents and purposes and so what people will almost always appeal to is culture having more authority than scripture culture will have more authority than scripture in other words Your churches that are pro-homosexual open up to all of these um, unbiblical and aberrant behaviors will justify it on the uh, premise of culture. Today, we're doing it this way. We used to do it your way decades ago. We're not doing it anymore that way. What they really don't know is that this is not something new. This is something old. It's been this way for many, many years. Uh, epics throughout history, mankind has always tried to do things their own way, contrary to God's word, and it and it appears to be successful for a season. But not only does it have its own intrinsic negative consequences because it's contrary to nature, as Paul said in Romans one, but it ends up having political um, negative consequences as well, social negative consequences beyond their own personal. Physi- physiological and biological negative consequences. Eventually, it becomes it becomes a a problem societal. It just doesn't work. Like I had stated about um, the um, transgender person trying to go to the doctor and and pretend that he's a woman, but he's got prostate cancer. Those are those are two contradictory concepts. One is reality. One is a fantasy. They cannot coexist in the same space forever. Either the reality is going to overcome the fantasy and truth will prevail and we will recover order or the fantasy will overcome the truth and the fantasy will prevail and we will continue spiraling down into chaos. And that is what we have to address, the chaos that is emerging in the West and in Europe. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 329 Marsha, hold on. James, hold on. Two lines open, one we will be right back.
0: And now, back to Lifeline.
1: Do we have time at 6.07 on, on the edition of Lifeline. We've got two lines open, one 2 lines open. We are addressing smart cities, the transgender paradox. We are addressing the need to be able to understand what is going on in our world and how we need to maneuver about it as believers and do um, our civic duty as well as our spiritual duty for the preservation of our society. The master told us that we were salt and light in the world salt for preservation, that is to create a conversation essential to, be, to bringing the light of the gospel into the conversation that men and women might be might be saved, might be converted, might be illuminated, might um, have the epiphany of the reality that we are created in the image of God and that Jesus is the way back to the Father. That, that message will have to reemerge as powerful, at some point. In the meanwhile, just to, uh, you know, affirm again Mel's question. Thank you, Mel, for being so so graciously open and honest about your background with that. That's a beautiful thing. Life is full of nuances, and we, we need to be able to handle the nuances. We can stand on the truth and be explicit about it and faithful to the proclamation of that word, but we want to do it in a fashion that is proactive and appropriate, um, accompanied with the measures of grace that God calls us to, if we have them, so that we are not only concerned about the proposition, but the person as well. Two lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's talk to Marsha from Los Gatos on line four. Marsha, are you there?
6: Yes, Jesse, thank you so much. It's so nice hearing your voice. Thank you. Um, I just um, want to thank you so much for uh, answering the call that came your 20 years ago and more, that you've stood up and you've tried to make things clear and discuss these very important topics with us. I missed last week Uh kind of a hole in my chest. Is there any way we can hear the past um uh programs again uh, is there well, any they, location for
1: that I, I know they they i know they put the podcast on our um way of grace program at kfax you would have to go to the way of grace program our monday program should have the podcast there and then you can also get it i i think from our website. You'll have to find, you'll have to meander grace-bible.com, but you should find um, um, KFAX Podcasts uh, and and, and find it too. We generally record it as well. So last week was really good, and I think we did record it.
6: Wonderful. That's for everyone listening. (laughs) Yes. Well, there's a couple things I'd like to comment on these issues you've discussed today. Sure. And you know i I feel i've been talking to others um you know we've been um the power of technology has overwhelmed us, yeah, and we ha- can't seem to keep up on everything um People have shame over that jesse people feel like they've been taken for a ride um they feel like they are under hypnosis and that it's all around them, and they are powerless. And um, it's like always in the past, I've been interested in what goes on in the Congress, and I vote. And um, But it seems like what's going on in the Congress now is like political terrorism. There are people that are frightened to speak up. And as the years have gone by, I noticed that i i wanted to say why doesn't anybody run on the platform to reveal subliminal programming because there's so many things that are under the radar we don't know how to pick up on them with 5g and the frequencies and the the vaccines and the chemicals um the school messages that the parents never get to hear is there someone that can stand up like you have and represent what goes on in Congress on AM radio, and represent what is being done, you know, under our eyes and under our hearts, and we can't get a feel of it.
1: Yeah, I I think that I know what you mean, uh, Marcia, about the appearance of such a prevailing uh, dominant and relentless uh, anti-God narrative that it discourages people because it's so hard to find those avenues and platforms where the truth of these matters can be discussed reasonably and objectively and then ultimately for us biblically. I, I agree with you. It's very hard, very daunting. But what I what I know about God is that he, he tells his people, if you want the truth, you're going to have to search for it like silver and mine for it like gold. You're going to have to pursue it um, as expensive and rare jewels, as the proverb says. So we often have to dig. Um, What I would state is that we have um, a very phenomenal thing going on. Men and women are finding alternative media outlets necessarily to have their soul affirmed and their spirit quenched with the reality of bold, and as uh, Dr. McCullough put it, uh, courageous speech by which we can know that we are not insane, also know that we are not um, the minority. Um, there is a significant group of people out there doing all kinds of yeoman's work. You just heard it with our previous caller, Mel uh, Manny from Castro Valley, making reference of the uh, uh, values advocacy Um uh council.org uh, vac.org with our sister um uh, Naomi Wolf coming out on May 13th. They do a lot of events. They are proactive as well. I hope you know about them. You're not that far away from them um in Los Gatos. Um and and many many of us are doing what we can. I got a feeling that more platforms will come out in the future. I think that Elon Musk may be um uh measuring how he can be a significant split between um, uh, MSNBC and CNN over against Fox, which is owned by the same um, mega companies, by the way. So they, they often are planned conflict, managed conflict. Um, I think um, with the uh, removal or departure of uh, Tucker Carlson, we're going to look up in a minute and see uh, uh, maybe a, an alternative third platform I know that Donald Trump has tried to um, create his own platform um, with Truth Social. I think that's the name of it. In any event, that platform is is okay. It's kind of waning because Donald, I think Mr. Trump needs to just be a lot more uh, wise about how he disseminates his own presentation as a person because uh, there's so many issues that are going on that we need. Um, we don't just need a kind of... Savior figure. We need um, uh, people who can gather together um, a, a a a synod of men and women who are um, who are already proven and uh, tested to be scholarly, to also be truth purveyors, to also be willing to suffer to get the truth out. We need men and women who are not sellouts to big pharma and big tech and and big who and big uh, wef world economic forum and all of the big money barons that are behind the institutions and the the governances that are taking place around our world we we need to begin to emerge in the uh in the uh, media sphere with new Uh, new platforms so people can begin to hear. Hungry people will gravitate toward those platforms. Hungry people will eventually hear. But if God is the way he has been in the past, my dear sister, he is calling for us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's not going to give us victory on a platter as if somehow he hasn't called us to pray to reflect, to prepare, and to fight. He's called us to do all those things, and the pendulum of darkness has swung our way in the West, and we're dealing with an uh, open conspiracy. This is the way that the uh, Platonic um, scholars talked about it way before uh, the coming of Christ, open conspiracy. We are there in an open conspiracy. We're seeing it before our eyes, and as you said, mass psychosis is doing its work at the um, Uh, closing people's eyes wide open. They can have their eyes open but they're shut logically and rationally and reasonably objectively and and critically and and, uh, God has to intervene for that to happen so we just got to keep praying and then look for those avenues where he has already begun to work. I am amazed that he allows me to even be part of it as I am today. So thank you for that blessing. i got to take a break. It's 618. We're going to pay some bills. We've got three lines open, one 367 5329 367 I'll be right back.
0: And now back to Lifeline.
1: Indeed we are. The time is 622. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open. If you want to call and chime in on our topic or um, alter the conversation, as long as it's in a good way, we can do just that. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line one and talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Hey, PJ. Can you hear me? What's going? What's going on, man? Oh,
5: man, <laughs> everything. So uh, just to start with uh, your previous caller, you, you, you can get to Lifeline from the website. You just go to the, uh, to the page, you go to the media, in the drop-down menu, takes you to Lifeline Radio. She's still missing. The only thing is that you're about maybe two months behind because the last posting was the last Tuesday, I mean, last Monday in February. There's nothing since then, so... Uh, I'm sure they'll be picking that up, uh, getting everything on. I don't know what that process is, but that was just for the last caller. I got it. Name. Okay. Um, man, where do I want to start? I mean, it's you know what? What the Lord had been dealing with me on is it, it took me to Matthew 9 through 14. Um, and I believe this was a time where Jesus was describing to the disciples what we were to expect during the time between His ascension and His second coming. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I'm just gonna kind of read through it real, real quickly. Uh, it reads, "Then they shall deliver you up." to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because the nations shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold." That's what I was going with, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And right and shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations and then shall the end come right yeah and i, I mean we're obviously there if, if you don't realize we're there i mean I, I believe we're there right now we have to you know rely upon god to take us where we need to be in I say that because I was having a conversation uh, with a young lady yesterday at work, and we were really just kind of talking with a uh, sport, sports atmosphere. And you know, she's a woman who was compete, who I mean, competed, you know, athletically in sports, you know. And she was like, "Well, even though she may not, I mean, she knew how to, you know, how to articulate the fact that there's no way that she should be having to compete against men." Look, you know, so she got that. It wasn't like people are so woke that they don't get that that concept. I mean, because a real woman who has put in time and effort to perform her craft, if you will, is no way that they're going to accept a man coming in there taking that over. Okay, so that's true. I mean, that's that to me. That's just basic that's just basic uh so we have truths to operate from i just believe that we need obviously more of your kind of teaching that helps us i like the way you coined it put a face on some of these people when it comes to having compassion when addressing the issues right just just, you know just want to slam dunk and shut the door because that's the way we ought to feel about the subject. Wait a minute, not the subject. Uh, I don't want to say the subject. The subject matter, but not the individual subject, if that makes any
1: sense. Of course, I, I, you're tying together the, um, the, the 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 tension that is needed to be able to, as we did the study, and you know how we we closed out the book of Jude, uh, and some save. Um, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. It's the paradox of being willing to go in there in the uh, mediatorial, uh, intercessory, intervening work of calling men and women out of this dark uh, hole that humanity is falling into, um, uh, having a uh, a love for them but a hatred for the garment spotted by the flesh that is today taking on the ubiquitous expression of, uh, of, of sexual identity markers that never even existed a hundred years ago uh, per se um, and certainly wasn't a dominant uh, mandated uh, uh, individual uh, thing as we have with identity politics in this 21st century. That we call wokeism. Um, we we have to always remember their humanity, even if they are going to provoke us to um, to anger, and then try to dehumanize us out of their irrational, unfounded uh, um, f- uh, hy- hysteria. Um, still have to care about them. But I think what you're saying is is that many Christians, um, and, and that might just be true. I mean, I think. I think what I'm hearing is uh, when I look out abroad and listen to community uh, abroad is that we're just not ready for that kind of full frontal daily dialogue discussion that leads to debate, doing it nobly, doing it righteously, doing it graciously to begin to wake people up, talk about being salt and light. Uh, bringing the savor of the gospel of truth to the conversation, even though the conversation will say to the one to whom we are speaking, in terms of the subject matter, we don't agree with you. Doesn't mean we don't care for you. Don't mean we don't. Uh, doesn't mean that we don't re- regard you highly. We do. That's why we're having the conversation because we believe that you're on a a wrong path. Uh, But that conversation needs to be done in the context of freedom. And this, too, is why we need to be serious about our constitutional rights, because the goal of the enemy is to weaponize policies against our freedom to hold our opinion. And that is where people are also losing all sorts of confidence and shrinking into grasshoppers before the giants of um, our leftist administration. Uh, and the global intrusion of those leftist policies from China and other countries that have been in America for a long time and are <clears throat> controlling the narrative at now at, at present, people are afraid to have that conversation. The context in the which you were giving us Matthew twenty four nine through fourteen uh, is a context in which God told the Christ told the disciples, be ready to preach, be ready to share, be ready to c- converse be ready to declare and set forth the gospel, but be sure that it's going to be in the context of opposition, in the context of persecution, in the context of cold hearts, in the context of of tons of apostasy on the part of the church, which we're seeing today, uh, and many different moving parts that constitute the instability of a time of tribulation. Um, we're not fully there yet. We're headed in that direction. I don't think the momentum as yet can be justified to say that, you know, we are in the heat of it. I think God is preparing us for it, and he should. He should. We should be prepared for it. That's what I, I wanted to say state and i don't know if people are pr- praying and preparing and studying up and, and being ready to give an answer to everyone of the hope of the gospel but we should be because at some point it will have that kind of close proximity pressure on our psyche of minds and souls and it won't be too long before that occurs particularly in a liberal state like california thanks for the call i got to take a hard break 3 lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one Very good question. We'll continue after this short break.
7: Hey, everybody. Charlie Kirk here. Noble Gold Investments have made it their mission to stay on top of the most important economic news. Three bank runs in the last month. These are the second largest and now third largest runs in history. The government is taking steps to guarantee all deposits that means more money printing plus the fed is sitting on unrealized losses of 1.2 trillion on their 8.3 trillion dollar bond portfolio the fed just raised interest rates by another quarter basis point and do you know the only ones who are not afraid the ones that are invested in gold with noble gold investments gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control thousands have approached noble gold investments to get their hands on gold Hurry and go to noblegoldinvestments.com to secure your wealth now. Use the promo code CHARLIE to bag a free 5-ounce America the Beautiful Coin with each gold and silver IRA if you qualify. I think the world of Noble Gold Investments, I have vetted them. I use them personally. They're honest and they're ethical, and they see the world the way you do. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Uh-oh. Going
4: through the bills? By the look on your face, it doesn't look good.
8: No, oh, hi, hon. Just trying to keep things covered. And with these increasing credit card interest rates, we barely get ahead on what we owe. Not to mention the monthly bills and the loan we had to take for the car repairs.
4: We're not alone, though. Jen told me they wouldn't have survived without accredited debt relief. And now they're debt free.
8: Hmm. Accredited debt relief?
4: Yeah, she said they were amazing and gave them a solution that reduced their payments by over 40% and had them on a path to be debt-free in less time than they thought possible. If you owe more than $10,000 in credit card debt or other unsecured debt, you may not have to pay it all back. If you qualify, there are programs available to you right now that could significantly reduce what you owe. A hotline has been established to call Accredited Debt Relief to see if you qualify. The call is free, so call now. Call 800-939-5050. That's 800-939-5050. 800-939-5050.
8: No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MetaShare 65+. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55.
7: Quote based on healthy, non-smoking 30-year-old female with a 20-year-term policy rates may vary. Eligible policies and estate planning tools can vary by state. Yeah.
9: It's a busy life. You have enough to worry about. So here's a great way to check life insurance off your list. It's called Ethos. With the thought of medical exams, forms to fill out, and the cost, it's easy to see why life insurance can fall to the bottom of your to-do list. But at Ethos Life, we've got your back. For about a dollar a day, you could get a quarter million dollars in term life insurance without a medical exam. Just go online, answer a few health questions, and snap, family protected. You could get a quote in seconds, apply in minutes, and be covered in hours. No medical exams, no blood tests, no hassle. Right now, with your purchase of an eligible policy from Ethos, you'll get something else important to your family tools to create a legal will. A $449 value, yours free. Ethos, the 100% online, hassle free way to get affordable life insurance. Get your free online quote now at ethoslife.com. That's E T H O S life.com.
0: And now, back to Lifeline.
1: We are back. The time is 6.36. got three lines open, one Three lines open if you want to join the conversation while we still have the freedom of speech to do it and the right to share our opinions as we see fit without reprisal from our government. Let's go to line number four and talk with Dave from Oakland. Dave, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Pastor
10: Jesse. Thank you. I appreciate hey, you. Hey, what's up,
1: your... up, man? What's going on? Talk to me.
10: So uh I, I I I've been listening to everything and uh and uh love what you're talking about. So I was I I had a question because I've been noticing like lately that a lot of Christians <laughs> they don't like to talk about um talk about racism. And I wanted to ask you like First, do you even think, do you think that, um, as Christians, should we should we even engage in, um, and then secondly, if so, um, do you think that, uh, what's the biblical approach for it? Because like, I we talk about like the vaccine and stuff all the time, but we talk about like the LGBT, uh, agenda and stuff all the time in the christian community but we never uh address like racism and i know that racism could be could be perpetuated by um anybody you know it doesn't it's not just uh white uh, on black or black or white could be any any ethnic ethnicity being racist to another ethnicity but i feel like in a christian community we we dodged that uh topic too much and there's too much of that going on in the world that we're not talking about like specifically how you know china is dealing with the like the turkish people or those the people um uh, that would be out of turkey out there in china nobody's really talking about that in the uh, christian community how they have you know Huge camps of people uh, enslaved right now, and they're just doing horrendous things uh, to them. And even, you know, the stuff we got going on here with the, uh, you know, the young man being shot on the guy's porch uh, just for going to ring his doorbell and uh, several other things like the uh, other young man that uh, ran from the police and they shot him. All those times and killed them, and they were just all acquitted. Not uh, the the DA came out and said there's no, going to be no charges uh, pressed on them, and there's a lot of things that are racially motivated uh, that's happening in a world, and it seems like Christians don't like to address those things. And I'm asking is are we should should we even address those things as it being a racist thing? or or how do we how are we supposed to look at it so that's what i'm asking
1: yeah, very good. <clears throat> so i'm thinking that what what is the problematic element with just talking about racism in general is that not everyone is in a space for which Racism is an an existential concern for them. You meet a person, Dave, and he or she may in their own space have a great relationship with law enforcement, have a great relationship with their city, have a great relationship with their um, supervisor on the job, you know, hither and yon. They're not going to be compelled to want to have a conversation about racism, in the generic sense. <clears throat> if they aren't, you know, some kind of scholar or some kind of learned person uh, engaged in a field of societal struggle and conflict, for which that that conversation stimulates them, they're not going to want to have it. First and foremost, you have to know that um, the way our media has been set up and the way that our um our uh our, the narrative the political narrative the landscape politically is so inflamed with all sorts of uh matters like you had stated the homosexual matter gay trans matter um those are big they're 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 not that far removed from the uh from the uh, uh race issues from discrimination you know that they wrote on the back of the civil rights movement in that regard <clears throat> but if you say, hey, we sh- let's talk about racism, then you're going to have to have not only the anecdotal concern of your own personal viewpoints, um, to have a cogent and productive conversation. Because if people engage you, they're going to engage you <clears throat> with a position around these matters uh, by which they will either be indifferent, like you said, uh, by which they will either be uninformed, which is uh, highly probable, um, or by which they may be prejudiced. So they can be indifferent, they can be high, uh, uninformed, deficiently informed, or prejudiced. And either three of those positions can be weak enough for <clears throat> the conversation to go off rail Uh, and and not be an edifying conversation. So for me, what I would want you and anyone else that wants to talk about racism, if you want to bring it up, is to make sure that the premise upon which you bring it up has a broad enough premise, a broad enough um, foundation in your discourse to make it relevant to the people that you wanted to talk about. For instance, you know, if you wanted to, you could do enough research to say, I'm going to call PJ on the Monday show and see if he'd be willing to have a dialogue around a segment of of racism. And I would say, okay, what categories are we talking about? What, What categories? Are we talking about historic racism from the past? Uh, are we talking about racism exclusively concerning the african american community in relationship to the power dynamics uh before you know jim crow after jim crow are we talking about racism now in our country and if we're talking about racism now in our country we got we have a whole uh we have a whole swath of categories we have to deal with. We have to deal with with it in terms of um, its its micro uh, manifestation at the sociological level. With you know, with our peers in the schools, um, if if that's such a thing. Quite frankly, if we did that, you're going to find that we're dealing with a a a sort of uh, uh, bipolarizing argument because there's enough black folks beating up white folks that we can easily hear the charge from our Caucasian brothers that that's discrimination. And it would be. Um, There was a uh, group of black kids that ran up on a brother who had a white girlfriend, and this was all big on the news a couple of days ago last week. And they were taunting his girlfriend. She's Caucasian. And the brother turned around and said, hey, man, leave her alone. And they bum-rushed him like he was nothing. And kicked him and beat on him. And then, you know, they slapped her around, but they really got at him. Well, that's racism. It was just that the brother got his butt whooped. And so it never made the news. And so what you'll get is the retort, uh, Dave, that unless we have a balanced presentation of what we're talking about, about racism, everybody can cry racism on their own different sides. Our Asians can do it, our Filipinos can do it, our whites can do it. So that, that, Unfortunately, the our culture has made that such an inflammatory and such an unstable uh, topic that it doesn't seem like, unless you really frame it well, you can have an edifying conversation around it. Now, you know, if, if it's something that's really challenging you, do the research. Do the research. Um, and you can even qualify next time you call or you talk to me because I'll be willing to talk to you about it if it can prove itself to be edifying. We know racism still exists, but classical racism as we understand it, the sense of self-superiority over another people group to the degree of dehumanizing them and exposing them to hurt and harm just because they are other than we are, that's that's a... Uh, You know, that's a back and forth. That's a both and. This is happening in all communities, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But yes, I I definitely would not avoid the conversation. I just would want us to be intelligent about it and also fair about it for all ethnic groups. So do that work and let's have that conversation. Let's see if it can serve the cause of the gospel relative to us wanting to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. We're going to take a break. one 367 5329 Got one more segment to go. I'll take one or two more calls. one 367 We'll be right back.
0: And now back
1: to Lifeline. Indeed we are. And we're on the last leg. Ten minutes to go in our program. If you want to try to give me a call, you may. Um... I'll kind of revisit some of the stuff we talked about and kind of get us up in preparation for closing down. We are living in very challenging times. We are living in very unstable times. I I, I look out in my mind's eye and I reflect upon where we are in our culture and in our world. And I see so many things for which um, all of the calls um, are relevant um every every call even even Dave's referring to you know racism and things like that that would not minimize in a society where propaganda is so broadly <clears throat> uh, applied at the weaponization level is naturally intrinsic to us as human beings where we feel we might have an advantage over someone by numbers to engage in racism uh this can happen locally this can happen at a um a larger um governmental level. It can happen anywhere and it does happen. You'll see it whenever there's a majority of black people and just a handful of our Caucasian brothers and sisters, they'll get at them. They'll 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 play the race card. You'll see um it when it's the reverse and uh, they'll get at at black people um when that's the case. That's just the nature of fallen man relative to his uh, his predatory nature when he sees the weakness of another people group. It's a, it's a perverted form, an alternate form of xenophobia. Certainly is. And, and the believer should not even be for five seconds engaged in that kind of low, shallow thinking uh, behavior because it's unscientific as well. Um, it, there is none righteous, no, not one. Um, we've all come short of the glory of God. At so many levels, it's a wonder that God would even look upon us in any kind of loving, redemptive way because we are worthy of his judgment for being so horribly uh, anti Christian in our example, especially professing to be Christian. So there's a lot going on in our world. I think that the energy that we should be putting in is finding a pathway. It doesn't matter what it is. Find a pathway and employ your gifts. Use your gifts. Ask God what, like, like, if Dave, if you're still listening, I can tell you, man, my my heart hungers for um, really savvy, really witty, will, really deeply thought thought through and uh, socially conscious uh, comedians. We need them now more than ever. I know people say, what in the world are you talking about? We need Uh, men and women who have the capacity to laugh at the wicked and wickedness of society so as to be able to have the conversation in the context of laughter which disarms us from emotional expressions that are so unstable that it leads to negative outcomes. When we can laugh about a lot of things, um, we can begin to see them more objectively and maybe find solutions to them collectively as a a group. And, um, excuse me, I would love to see uh, God raise up men and women who are intellectually sound, broadly learned, socially sensitive, articulate in their speech, but definitely given to the humor that needs to break this stuff down and show it to be the uh, little um peon uh wizard of oz behind the uh behind the curtains uh manipulating the big voice in the uh, <clears throat> false false sense of authoritarian rule over everybody there's nothing nothing more uh, liberating than for bright court jesters to be able to do uh do that as well so <clears throat> that's what i would I would hope would begin to emerge men and women that are strong enough to use satire and, and humor and wit and, uh, and phrasings and prose to begin to wake us up. And then maybe even music coming into the equation, uh, speaking into these matters like uh, <clears throat> it used to be in the 60s, uh, in the 70s. Uh, with brothers who spoke into social consciousness issues with good music that 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 brought men and women together because music can do that. So can good humor as well to uh, begin to uh, disarm the uh, the uh, governmental system of divide and conquer. The CIA is this. The FBI is this. Certainly, uh, the CIA is engaging in uh, a process of um, divide and conquer by keeping us polarized and uh, excited and exacerbated by matters that ultimately, um, if we could just have our freedoms and rights to engage in commerce and business at the uh, truly classical liberal level, uh, people can do what they want, but don't turn it into a weaponized policy to stop me from doing what I want. I mean, if if we're going to have the proliferation of a trans community Let it happen um, just naturally and freely according to the the free market. Um, You can put some rules and regulations around it to stop these Frankenstein doctors from making so much money because that's a scandal and a debacle itself, the medical industry. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about the fact that we're dealing with a medical industry that has played a major role in the shaping of the society uh, larger social psychological mentality of our culture the social psychological uh mentality of our culture has been seeded by uh, the medical industry for decades now and this is why we are mental this is why people are on all kinds of uh of uh of drugs for 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 mental illnesses anxiety distress etc um this is a uh, a planned event for destroying the quality of our life, and people can't even function uh, at the level of paying attention for an hour. Uh, these psychotropes are needed to um, even help them be able to handle the voices they're hearing in their head. And and I can tell you, I I believe this with all my heart, even leading to the expression of this whole thing around gender dysphoria, that is uh, is medical at its origins, it's pharmaceutical. At its origin. And as some had asserted, asserted earlier, it's demonic as well. We'll probably be able to prove that and bring that data and that information to you shortly because there's nothing new under the sun. If you read Revelation 18, it'll lay that out. Pharma, pharmaceutical uh, sorcery used to enslave men and to um, <clears throat> bring them into this Babylonian system that we're dealing with. I would say to you and me that we need to really take christ seriously make sure that we are drinking deeply of the well of grace that um in, so far as all of these matters in this world are concerned we should be concerned about them but the central organizing principle by which we operate is an absolute continued delight in the one true and living god and his son jesus christ so not so as to not be distracted from the mission that we're called to be salt and light in the earth as families as men of God, this is why I want to talk about this, this this Saturday, the rules of engagement. We're going to be getting at the issue of the roles of men, the roles of women, what masculine energy is, what feminine energy is, and how they're being um, uh, misrepresented in these identity wars that are going on today. So, yeah, this Saturday, 1 p.m., Grace Bible Church, rules of engagement. And I will remind you, we always have a Bible study Tuesday six thirty, Friday six thirty, um, and we set forth the word of God, uh, and hope that God might meet us. So until next time, I definitely want to encourage you to um, keep your eyes on the Master. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord calls His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you His peace.